Welcome to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, I'm your host, Taylor Burris, and joining us once again is my co-host back again, Justin Prince, with our producer, Wayne Owens. And Justin, we have two great interviews lined up. First and foremost, we have the winner from the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series All-Star event, Jimmy Mullis, myself, and Joshua Lee sat down and interviewed him earlier on to discuss about his win from the all-star race at nashville but this next interview we have coming up justin is a first time winner of the season and in his career in the enascar coca-cola iRacing series from watkins Glen, we have graham boland joining us yes indeed and for graham boland he's been a shining star over the past few years indeed especially with this rise into the enascar coca-cola iRacing series but also how he's been able to perform and gain respect from his competitors. And when it came to Watkins Glen International, the most recent eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series event, it was something, I think, that was an absolute statement made by Graham. It certainly is. Well, let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Graham Bolin. Graham, welcome to the iRacers Download. I'm pretty sure you're still excited over the victory that you had from Watkins Glen on Tuesday night. How do you feel? I feel good, man. Like, that race was insane. It was, the pressure was on the whole time. Uh, like, the race, my uh, most intense online race I've ever had because I've raced in your life before. But, uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. Talk us through, first of all, how things fared out in your opinion with the closing stages, because for those who didn't tune in, it was one of the greatest battles on a road course in the series' history between you, Bobby Zelensky, Mitchell DeYoung. Describe those closing stages where you had them closing in and providing a ton of pressure from behind all the way to a bumping and baning final lap. Uh, it was intense because uh, Bobby had a lot fresher tires than me. Uh, I was just really worried about him. Like as long as I could hold off Bobby, I, I thought I was like really set free for the win. But uh, Mitchell did an amazing job saving his tires. Like he had a lap older tires than me and was able to save. And he went from like two seconds back to literally on my bumper in the span of like 15 laps it was and it was insane but yeah it was it was really hard uh sure i'm glad there's dirty air and then uh i wish i cut the bus stop a little bit more but other than that we still got the win so uh i wouldn't change anything again it's impressive to get what was your first career victory in the way you did because for the past few years and especially with this year the crown had been held by two drivers Bobby Zelensky Mitchell Dion for road course racing you snatched that crown away with the performance you did at Watkins Glen what's that feeling like knowing that you broke up a streak that was among those two drivers essentially for road courses that dated back all the way until nearly the middle of the last decade. Uh, it felt really good because I knew I was good at the road courses with the stock cars. We just had to come with a good setup. Like, uh, everyone, me and Steven really, and everyone at Dead Zone Racing was working really hard for this week to 
uh, build a good setup because setup does matter a lot. But at the same time, like you still have to come there and uh, execute with the good setup at the same time. So the pressure's still on the whole time, but uh, coming there with a good car in the first place is always important. So, uh, yeah, I was just really excited we came there with a good car after seeing our times in warm-up 15 minutes before the race. And I was just like... I can do this and I queued pole. And then after that, I really had it in my mind that I wasn't, I wasn't going to let anybody pass. You definitely made it hard for drivers to get a run, to get around you, especially as talked about with the bumping and baning in that closing lap. But for those who don't know, technical alliances mentioned dead zone, but stored Haas esports is the organization you run with as well. What was the reaction like, I have to say, though, from your fellow competitors after that race? Because you had come close a few times. You had had the pace on the ovals as well throughout the campaign, especially this season. What was that emotion like from your fellow friends and competitors after seeing you break through? Uh, it was relatively good. Like everyone was excited for me. Like I, I was really excited. I was just like, because I've I've had bad luck. The like the last year was pretty bad. Uh, I barely missed the playoffs, and then I kept on getting wrecked and wrecked and wrecked. And then I was always like getting racking up these top fives this year, but it was never like uh, a car that could could win. Uh, I think the one time we had a winning car was Vegas, and then I got wrecked by uh, some different stuff. And then, yeah, it was just uh, getting a win in this series is one of the hardest things. So uh, I'm just glad I finally got one. You touched on it a momentarily there, Graham, about getting a win in this series. What just shows the competitiveness of this series to where you know week after week we see different people winning races and people are thinking oh anyone can go through this but explain to our listeners the difficulty of getting out there preparing and winning not just maybe making a pass on the last lap but like actually going out there holding on to a race lead against someone to actually two of the greatest road course racers that we have in the nascar coca-cola iRacing series and still managing to come out on top, and by the looks of things, depending on how things go for you at Michigan, a guaranteed spot into the playoffs. Just explain that of the difficulty of this. Uh, it was pretty hard. I, I honestly, I didn't expect to win this race. I was, I was still set on points. Like I, I knew we had top five speed, but uh, I was not expecting a win. But when I got pole, obviously, I was just like, okay, I need to settle in and try to win this. But uh, it's incredibly hard. You try to maximize your finishing position like every week, but it's like very difficult when it's 40 the best on the game. So, or on iRacing simulations. So, uh, yeah, I, it's just incredibly hard. It's really hard to describe. Like, all I can compare it to is just like. Imagine everyone has a Hendrick car and then it's just the little tweaks and setups and they're just on top of each other. It's like an IROC series, I guess, or like the SRX, like everyone has the same chassis and engine and stuff like that. It's just tweaking it. 
It certainly is. Now, let's take a step back. You know, you've been with the sim racing community for quite some time. What made you want to get involved with iRacing? Uh, so I did many sprints for a couple years. Like, uh, I think it was 2015 to 2017. And then we didn't have enough money to race anymore. So uh, I started to do iRacing just to get the edge of racing again and uh just through school and stuff like that i just I, I knew i still needed to race and i didn't really know about the peak series or coke series now but they was called peak back then and then uh i started really taking it seriously like late or early 2018 and i tried to get on different teams and stuff like that and just try to get to the top series and then i got it in 2019 and then my first year was 2020 so and you a very successful career so far with the multiple wins that you've collected since joining iRacing but you're now part of the stuart haas esports driving that number 10 smithfield forward your thoughts on the relationship that you have with stuart haas and how involved stuart haas esport is you mentioned already that you work with dead zone racing as one of the alliance teams with the Coca-Cola teams, but working with Stuart Haas and learning about them, how has that have been an improvement to help with learning uh, your racecraft and even maybe getting some pointers from the team? Well, uh, they don't really give us pointers, but like I just enjoy the communication and like just making content with them, helping out uh, Smithfield and like getting their brand out there more. And then also with Go Bowling, because that was – the for their first race this year and we got pole and basically dominated the race so i was really excited about that and then uh bruzy really really nice guy runs that he hey I, i'm glad to show them off a bunch so uh if we give them more sponsors that's cool and that'd be awesome yeah, Judd Danielson over at Abruzzi is a very close friend of ours here on the iRacers download, and I'm pretty sure he was one happy camper with that victory. But as we move ahead now, we have Michigan, and then we go straight into the playoffs. Is Michigan going to be kind of the race where you're going to try to just learn and make sure that you stay in a strong position to prevent any newcomers the win? Or is it going to be something where from here on out is basically try to get as many wins possible for this chance at a championship now? Uh, Michigan to me is just like three extra bonus points I can get for the, for the playoffs. Like that's just, because if you win again, you get three extra points. And I mean, those three extra points are going to help you going. If you're not, if you don't win at Darlington or Bristol, it's going to help you at Dega when you're going to have to make the final, uh, two spots if someone new doesn't win. Uh, so uh, I think it's just three extra bonus points. I don't really care who's racing up there. Like, I'm going to race clean like I always do. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we also know, you know, what is your social media presence? As we know that the virtual world is so much gaining popularity and gaining momentum with the use of social media, where can people follow you to keep up to date? And are you still doing any streaming to where people can follow you and watch you on board during these events? Uh, usually I just post on my Twitter. It's at Bowl and Graham. Uh, 
yeah, I just I usually just post on there. If you want to keep up to date with me, I'll just I post I usually post on Twitter uh frequently and then yeah. Thank you so much, Graham, for joining us. That is Graham Bolin, winner at Watkins Glen for the E NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series. Coming up after the break, myself and Joshua Lee sit down with the all-star winner, Jimmy Mullis, from Nashville. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. iRacing, the world's leading online simulation. Developed from the beginning as a centralized racing and competition service, iRacing organized, hosts, and officiates races on the virtual tracks all around the world. iRacing is home to a wide variety of official sanctioning series with racing from the Australian Supercars, the Cars Tour, IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, and the World of Outlaws. With over 80,000 drivers on the service and over 80 laser scan tracks and cars to choose from, iRacing.com is the world's premier motorsport simulation. For more information, visit iRacing.com today. Welcome back to the iRacers download on SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Joshua Lee back alongside with Taylor Burris. And now welcoming in to the show is eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series driver of the number 46 for Richmond Raceway Esports. None other than Jimmy Mollis. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. We last talked to you back when you won at New Hampshire in a points-paying race. And now we're talking to you after you win the All-Star Race at the Nashville Super Speedway. As a failure, two in a row to technically on wins in, in eNASCAR. Uh, it's pretty crazy, man. You know, happy to be back and um, happy for the uh, the good reason to keep, you know, be back here. And um, yeah, that all-star race was wild, man. Um, that was uh, not expected at all. Um, but, you know, super pumped to uh, bring home some extra cash and um, overall just kind of build some more confidence and momentum uh, going into these last two races of the regular season to try and lock into the playoffs and, um, you know, hopefully have a shot at chasing the championship. And, of course, off the heels of that win in Nashville Super Speedway, you're going into Watkins Glen in one week's time. Do you think you can keep up those winning ways and try and go three in a row? Because, obviously, you're going to be trying to beat Mitchell DeYoung in the number 23, who is two for two on road courses. Um, Yeah, obviously, you know, the goal is to try and uh, get a second win and, you know, lock ourselves in. But um, I think it's uh, fair to say that it, that's a really tall task. Obviously, Mitchell and Bobby both are uh, some incredible road racers and um, their cars are really fast. So um, they're going to be tough to uh, tough to handle. But um, I've been putting in the effort to uh, try and find some speed. And um, I feel confident that, you know, we'll uh, at least have a dog in the fight um, and, you know, just try to have ourselves in the conversation on Tuesday and um, I guess that's really all you can ask for when it comes to these road courses, man, because uh, the field's really tight up there at the top end. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really good guys that haven't won yet at this racetrack um, that are really good here. So um, it's going to be a, an interesting race. Um, I'll go ahead and say I would not be surprised if you see the streak of Mitchell and Bobby dominating the road courses get get broken on Tuesday. Maybe not by me. But um, like I said, there's a lot of guys in our series that are really good at this racetrack. So uh, it should be a, a good show to watch for sure. You know, Jimmy, this is the third road course that we have had with this series and this season. Compared to other seasons, we usually have one, maybe a second road course like we had at the Daytona International Speedway last season was where we saw the second road course added onto the schedule. But 
Do you think we're going to be seeing more of an influx of these different styles of tracks coming in throughout the season and maybe even seeing road courses added to the playoffs, possibly? Um, I sure hope so. I think it's a lot of fun to, you know, get those um, more difficult combinations as far as, you know, stock cars on road courses. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite things um, in all of iRacing. Um, and, you know, I've been very fortunate over the last couple of years to really step up my game uh, when it comes to the road courses. And I've gotten a whole lot more comfortable um, behind the wheel uh, with, uh, you know, just road courses in general and had a lot of success. Obviously, haven't gotten to victory lane, but, um, you know, a few runner-up finishes. And then I think sixth at uh, Road America this year was was solid. Um, I felt like I could have been a top three car there, too. Drove off the track. So looking to not have any mistakes on Tuesday night and try to get us a, a really good points run and try to lock ourselves into a good spot going into Michigan. Well, let's take a step back and go to the all-star race. You know, with this format that you had, we had a couple of heat races before we had that 60-lap feature Walk us through the strategy and planning because it's on a track that we haven't really raced on. It's a brand new track. And plus also it's with the Gen 7 car. We've seen some races already with the Gen 7 car and utilizing it with some of the official series. But this is the first time really that we're seeing it happen with the World Championship. What does that showcase with the Gen 7 at Nashville that we could possibly see how things could be changing going into next season with a new car, as well as how this new car could be updated before we even get ready for next season. Well, these cars are a whole lot different than anything any of us, you know, in the series are used to. And um, I, I think that was, you know, the biggest thing in itself was uh, the amount of time that people were putting into that all-star race. I know for me personally, I'll be honest, I, I didn't practice until on the day of the race, uh, me and Corey Vincent, uh, funny enough, we did a session to, you know, try and get a feel for it before the, the, uh, actual event started. And, um, we did a run together. So it's kind of funny how that worked out where it was me and him at the end. Um, so, uh, it's crazy how things like that'll go full circle, but, uh, to continue, I think these cars are going to be, uh, you know, completely different from anything we've experienced going into next year. Um, I'm not sure if I like them yet or not. Uh, I'm glad I was able to win in it. I guess that's cool. I was able to do it in the first time that we've had it in the, uh, world championship series, as you've said. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, it's definitely going to be a, a new skill set that everybody's going to try to figure out. And, um, you know, I look forward to that challenge and, uh, just, I hope that we have Nashville on the schedule. That track is so much fun, man. Um, before the all-star race was even, thought of going to that track i was running nis you know a couple months back whenever uh, nascar was there and um that track is just incredibly fun uh it drives kind of like my driving style it's uh, more of a short track feel and um, i think that's why that race really played into my hands late and um you know i was able to close it out with the win I want to stay on the track of Nashville Super Speedway for a moment because it, of course, was brought back into the NASCAR calendar for the first time with the Cup Series and is very unique on any other track on the NASCAR calendar and especially the eNASCAR calendar. More of an intermediate track, but it races like a short track. It is choose, choose up the tires. It has bumps all over the place. Racing it in the Gen 6 versus racing it in the next gen. Obviously, next year in eNASCAR, assuming we'll be in the next 
next-gen phase of the car, and we'll see that on the calendar. We'll see the next-gen. Do you want to see Nashville on the calendar with the next-gen, and how differently does it race with the Gen 6 compared to, to the next-gen? Like you mentioned, two completely different cars, but do they race that track very similar? Um, yeah, I'd love to see Nashville on the schedule next year. Like I said, I think the track's really good, and it produces really good racing. Um, both in the real world and on here. So um, I, I really hope that iRacing and NASCAR work together to try and put that on our schedule. Um, but as far as the the differences in the cars and how they race, uh, it's it's two completely different worlds, man. Um, the, the Gen 6 really, uh, it's kind of like it is everywhere. It, it You know, it turns really well, and um, you can kind of drive it with your right foot, whereas... I felt like in the uh, the next gen, it, it was more of a boxy feel, and honestly, kind of felt like a uh, like a GT3 car, um, to be completely honest. And um, that was uh, difficult to try and figure out during the race. I felt like I was having to kind of point the car uh, more with the steering wheel than with my foot, because it was when I jump on the gas, the car would want to go straight. So it was uh, trying to find that balance of you know how much throttle to use and how much to turn the wheel to try and get you know, the most momentum throughout the corners. And um, that's another thing about these cars. They're so momentum-based and there's so much draft. Um, it's just a completely different beast. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a lot to try and figure out as we go into next year, for sure. With Jimmy, with this in mind, how, with the pressure that we have now after winning this race, the momentum that you carry through the rest of this season how important, and this is speaking to all the drivers, the importance of getting that momentum needed to press on for the rest of the season. We only have a couple of races left in the schedule. Of course, we just pointed out one of them, of course, to be at Watkins Glen. But we also do have another ovals course coming up, and that's at Michigan. And your thoughts on how the rest of the season should go for you with these two final races before we get into the playoffs? Um, well, you know, like I was saying before, I, I feel really good about my road course, uh, you know, stats and, you know, past history with road courses. I feel like I'll be able to get a run to kind of solidify myself into a, a safe place, hopefully, um, if everything goes smoothly and, um, you know, try to build a barrier, I guess, between me and whoever is, you know, behind me uh, that's in the playoffs that has a win now um, going into Michigan. Michigan is going to be the biggest wild card. Uh, going into the playoffs I think we've ever seen um, and that says a lot because I'm pretty sure Talladega was the cutoff race last year so um, nobody really knows what to expect I expect it to be kind of like super speedway racing and a lot of draft involved and um, yeah it's gonna be a show man and uh, that's why I'm I'm honestly hoping that somebody that has already won a race wins on Tuesday I'm hoping I'm pulling for Mitchell. <laughs> I I need him to win this race so that nobody that's on the outskirts looking in gets a win and it makes it all that more hectic for everybody else at Michigan, but it'll I think uh you know make my situation possibly just a little bit easier. Um so we'll just, you know, see what happens and um to touch on the momentum thing, I think that's a huge part of of uh sim racing and just racing in general, man. Uh mental confidence is a huge huge thing and um i feel like our team is firing on all cylinders right now and i feel like uh you know we've got what it takes to go chase the championship i felt like last year we uh were really close and you know had things played out a little bit differently at texas and the last race of the playoffs last year i think i would have had a shot at 
possibly, um, you know, being in that final four and going for it all at Homestead. But, uh, you know, things don't work out all the time. And um, just looking forward to hopefully having that opportunity again this year. And, of course, heading into the playoffs, you start out at the Darlington Raceway. Then you head to the Bristol Motor Speedway. And then, of course, Talladega Super Speedway to round out that elimination round. And then the final four go to Texas. How confident are you in your performance at Darlington, at Bristol, and at Talladega so you can put together a good first round and be in that final four at Texas Motor Speedway to then race for a championship? Well, fortunately, Darlington and Bristol both are going to be on the low downforce package, which I feel pretty good about our team um, overall in that department. Um, Darlington in the past has been really good to us when it was low downforce. And even in 2019, Zach uh, nearly won that race uh, on high downforce. So I think our team, you know, is going to have solid speed there. Um, I feel really good about that place. I um, usually am able to be around the top 10 when we do have the cars that we need under us and um so hopefully that's the case there and bristol bristol's a track i truthfully struggle with so gonna have to put a lot of time into that um but you know like i said i think our team's really really good on short tracks so i think uh i think we'll have something to hopefully compete with there and then talladega is just talladega man we'll just see what happens last year it was the the cutoff race and i was on the outside of the playoffs and got in through that race um just based on putting myself up front and um, put myself in position to try and capitalize on any mistakes that anybody else made. And, you know, fortunately it worked out. So uh, I guess just kind of hope for the same deal this time around. And, um, but, you know, a lot easier said than, than done. We need to try and win one of these three races for sure. Most definitely. And of course, finally, we got to also talk about your team with Richmond Raceway Esports. They are currently your team sitting eighth in the team standings after these 12 races. How much momentum and help that, that does team imply to help out to try to make sure that they can be a little higher in the team standings to maybe go up against some of the teams that have been dominating, such as 2311 Racing, Stuart Haas, or even Exit? Yeah, we've, we started really rough, me and Zach both. We just didn't really start the year off strong. But here in these uh, past couple of months, we've really you know picked up the pace, and I think that's showed in the standings. And you know hopefully we can uh, – go through these next five or six races and really have some strong runs and have a shot at, you know, closing in on at least the top five in team points. That's kind of our goal at this point. Um, it's going to be hard to catch a lot of those guys because, you know, everybody's just been super consistent. Um, a lot of those teammates have, and, um, you know, that goes a long way. And, you know, like I said, me and Zach just unfortunately didn't really get the ball rolling early off in the season. But uh, I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, we've got all – all things firing off really well right now. And, you know, I'm confident that we will uh, continue to bring speed for the both of us and, you know, hopefully continue to, uh, to climb them standings. Well, Jimmy, it has been a pleasure once again to have you back on the show. You're one of the few drivers of the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series that we've had back on the show. The other one, of course, being Mitchell when he won the second road course at Road America. So it's an honor to have you back on here once again. And we look forward to seeing how you handle at, of course, Watkins Glen this coming week. Finally, to let fans listening in know, where can they find more information about your racing and what they can expect to see with the rest of the season? Yeah, man, I put all my stuff on uh, on my Twitter at Mullis Racing. Um, anybody listening can go find anything that uh, you know they want to know there. I I update it usually daily uh, with stuff that I'm doing, and 
Um, you know, hopefully uh, I'll be posting on there about winning some more races throughout this year. And I do want to say thanks to you guys for uh, for having me back. Um, it's always appreciated. And, you know, hopefully we get this opportunity again. Hopefully we do see that indeed. That is Jimmy Mullis, driver of the number 46 Sunoco Toyota. And he was the winner of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series All-Star Race at Nashville Super Speedway. Coming up after the break, the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital. iRacing, the world's leading online simulation. Developed from the beginning as a centralized racing and competition service, iRacing organized, hosts, and officiates races on the virtual tracks all around the world. iRacing is home to a wide variety of official sanctioning series with racing from the Australian Supercars, the Cars Tour, IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, and the World of Outlaws. With over 80,000 drivers on the service and over 80 laser scan tracks and cars to choose from, iRacing.com is the world's premier motorsport simulation. For more information, visit iRacing.com today. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm Justin Prince alongside Taylor Burris with Wayne Owens in the producer's seat as we go through the news of the week. And boy, was it a busy week in iRacing. As talked about with Graham Bullen, he put on a dominating performance E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, taking home his first career victory in a thrower with both Bobby Zelensky and Mitchell Dion. The separation between Bowen and Zelensky at the checkered flag was seven-tenths of a second, with Dion coming into second position into the final corner before getting shuffled around with some contact and a bumping and banging finish with Bowen. Stephen Wilson, Nick Oninger rounded out the top five in what was a dominating performance, to say the very least, Graham, or Graham, I should say, Taylor, because it was the type of performance that I think catches a lot of drivers' eyes and earns a lot of the respect because he had the pace from the get-go. He certainly did. He pretty much, once he had the lead, he took it, held on to it, never looked back as we continue throughout that race. The only time he did not lead a laps was during the pit stop cycles, which took a little bit of time, as we saw, of course, Bobby Zelensky lead a couple of laps and Ashton Crowder lead some laps. But the bigging talking point about this is now the big shakeup in the point standings. With Graham Bolin actually now taking home the checkered flag, it actually puts him by one point into the point standings as our new points leader overall before we head to the penultimate round at Michigan in a couple of weeks' time over Keegan Leahy. But looking throughout the rest of the point standings for your top 10, it changes everything of the dynamics of this point standings. Now, for drivers such as Chris Sherburn, Ray Alfala, it's not a matter of making it into the playoffs now. It's a matter of making sure that they stay in the top 20 in order to be guaranteed a spot of coming back next season. Now, Michigan will provide a bit of interesting scenarios to where they can maybe work their way up and maybe take home a second win. However, Michigan is known now to be more of the super speedway style of racing, where we'll see draft package in the beginning, and then the fields start to spread out towards the middle of a run. So it's going to be who is able to set their car up in order to be able to deal with those long green flag runs if we happen to get those. And keep in mind, Auto Club was in the sort of realm, too, where strategy was very critical, also a two-mile circuit earlier on the campaign. That being said, with Michigan, with it being a bit of a smoother surface, not as bad on the tires, 
it's going to make things very interesting. And for some drivers, knowing how things could play out, I could see a bit of urgency. But overall, when you have a season where you have multiple winners now knocked out of the playoff contention as a result of points positioning and so forth, it makes things critical for some competitors. And it puts a lot of pressure, indeed, on those drivers inside the top 20 to hold on, like a Matt Busa, like a Garrett Mains, like a Garrett Lowe, to continue to try and perform well and try and get some consistency to be able to build up a buffer away from Sherburn, who, by the way, is now 21st, Blake Reynolds, along with Jake Nichols, and Ray Alfala. It's not going to be easy, though, in these next few weeks. It's not going to be easy whatsoever at Michigan. From pretty much drivers from the 16th position in the point standings all the way to about 25th is going to be an absolute dogfight for that top 20 positioning in the point standings. But also, if you think about it, for drivers such as Steven Wilson, Corey Vincent, Michael Guest, and even Casey Kerwin, it's going to be an absolute dogfight to see if those four drivers may have a shot of taking home a checkered flag at Michigan next week. Steven Wilson had a strong performance at Watkins Glen with coming home with a top five finish. He has that momentum on his side and is the highest non-winner in the point standing, sitting third in the points and having a very strong start to the season with the second highest overall average finish of 11th. So he is going to be one to watch when we go to Michigan in two weeks' time. Here's the question mark, though, of Taylor of who's going to be able to stay out of trouble? Because if it indeed stays packed together, there's the chance for trouble. And you need to be aware of things as a result. Track position could be very critical. So for many of these teams, that preparation has already began. It's just a matter of dialing things in to make sure you get the track position and have a car that can keep it. It certainly is. And of course, you can catch all the action in two weeks' time at Michigan International Speedway, starting actually at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the pre-race show on Tuesday, August 17th, as you'll see the rest of the pre-race shows to talk about this penultimate round before we go playoff racing with the actual race happening at 9 p.m. on all of iRacing and NASCAR streaming platforms. But I think the biggest thing I want to talk about right here And in fact, we can briefly bring in our producer Wayne momentarily also because he had the chance to go to a track this past weekend that will be added to the iRacing banner. Hickory will be coming over to the iRacing planned builds in September. Dale Earnhardt Jr. gave us a brief glimpse of it, Justin. And this short track is probably one that everyone has been talking about for years of coming on board. And it's finally happened. And I can't wait for it to come to the service, first of all, because it's the world's most famous short track. It's a track that challenges competitors, that many of the biggest names in the history of NASCAR call it home or raced at over the years. Junior Johnson, Ned Jarrett, Ralph Earnhardt, amongst those competitors that are noteworthy in its early years. You have Jack Ingram, Tommy Houston, who competed there and won several times at the racetrack. It is a track where we both know our friend James Pike is probably dancing over the moon by seeing that track come to the iRacing service. It is a track where you had companies from the sim racing world sponsor the track to make sure they could find their way into the sim as well. 
There was a lot of buzz when this first was coming into play last year. There's a ton of buzz now by seeing this track now come into fruition for the virtual world and to see it now come into play is absolutely exciting. It's going to become one of the most popular short tracks on the service as a result, especially with the throwers it puts on and the throwback race at Hoax in the Real World. And, and not only that, Justin, but when you have a iRacing series competitor and avid iRacer go out and win the throwback race over this past weekend, Josh Berry, that just ups the excitement even more so to know that even some of the biggest names in iRacing have gone out there and won at this historic short track. But from the ovals in North Carol- Hickory, North Carolina to... Something a little bit more interesting here that's coming from the United States, the Mount Washington Hill Climb. Now, Justin, I've had the privilege of driving up Mount Washington, and when they mentioned that they actually do hill climbs up this mountain, I've always wanted to know what it was like to watch it. I mean, everyone knows about Pikes Peak, but this one is a phenomenal circuit, and when they made the announcement that it was coming to iRacing over the weekend, I was kind of shocked but yet also very happy because this is something we very rarely see in sim racing. Yeah, this, in fact, would be among an iRacing first to bring what would essentially be rally racing in the regard of being able to specifically have hill climb races such as that and bring specifically rally cross style racing to the platform. And I think that's the biggest thing out of all this, Taylor, because it opens up a lot of doors and possibilities for drivers in the future and for different hills and for different circuits to come into play. To say I was excited is an understatement to see it pop up because it's something not expected with how things play out. But as seen with iRacing, there's so much coming into play that there's a lot of chances to be able to grow the platform, and this is exactly one of those opportunities to bring the Mount Washington Hill Climb into play. It certainly is, As we and you can catch the full interviews throughout the day from this past weekend's four hours of Charlotte, benefiting the Multiple Sclerosis Society at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and this interview was happening, of course, with one of iRacing's ex- executives, Mr. Stephen Myers, as long with one of the technical directors, Greg Hill. And we have one more, couple of more announcements to talk about before we get to probably the biggest one. The next thing that was announced was the Hungaro ring, which we just saw over the weekend in the real world in Formula One. And when you watch that race on Sunday, Justin, it was rainy, it was wet, and it was kind of a little bit of a gleeful moment because... We watched that race, saw the rain and how it affected even the world's greatest drivers in Formula One. And when we realized, hey, we're about to get Hungaro ring, that excitement, along with the special announcement that we'll make later on, kind of like gets your excitement like, okay, maybe somebody's going to be trying crazy enough to recreate those moments and see what happens. But the Hungaro ring is a very interesting and historic racing circuit. Yeah, it's a track that, has been rumored to be among the service for what a while or so. It's going to be exciting, I think, to see that facility there. But I'm pretty sure there is a good reason, Taylor. You mentioned the chance to recreate something. Is there not? Yeah. Um. First and foremost, Justin, do you have an umbrella at hand? 
Yes, I do. You do. Okay. Well, if you're ready to open it up and get ready for this because it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Rain is coming. Rain is actually in development in iRacing. The long-awaited moment that every single iRacer has been hoping and praying for since pretty much its inception has been officially shown and pictures and in-sim footage has been showcased regarding Rain. Greg Hilsch even showed us a little bit of a preview at Imola with the BMW GT4. And I got to say, it's still a work in progress, but just seeing it, Justin, is the most amazing thing we have seen probably since, in my opinion, since Porsche was announced to coming on board with us. And when the announcement was made during that broadcast, my first thought was, oh my goodness, this looks beautiful. Because it takes a lot of work, first of all, to be able to simulate rain for multiple different types of racetracks, to be able to get it done properly, to be able to simulate drainage, all of that. But to see all the work put in is absolutely incredible. And it changes the whole service when you think about it. Because so many drivers are used to driving on the dry surfaces. It's a different feeling to battle on the ring. And... To the loop back to the Hagaro ring with drivers slipping off the racetrack there. You may see that come into play the first time drivers hit the racetrack. But they would have a blast because it is something that has been asked for so long. And to see how it's going on and how developed it's become. And what the work has looked like so far is absolutely astounding and amazing to say the very least. It blew my mind. I know it blew... Connery Maddock and Paul Smith's mind during that as well. It's just absolutely incredible to see Rang. To give a bit of perspective, Justin, I was working the production meeting or production for that race and the Twitch feed. When that stuff was going on, we started off probably around the two, 3,000 mark because we were on the front pages of Twitch. When the um, announcement started coming out that rain was coming, it skyrocketed to over 12,000 viewers at one point and continued to grow, which was phenomenal because everyone was like, rain is being talked about. Everyone just get in here and listen and watch and see. And it was just phenomenal to see. And we'll touch more about that four-hour endurance race. But come to think of it, you know, the Spa 24-hour race was held over the weekend as well in the real world. And just thinking about, adding rain because they're even talking about how they're using the setup for it not like you can, you can also set it up predeterminedly in hosted races of course but in the actual sim it will set it up to where the spotters and crew chiefs in the sim will alert you when rain is incoming so that way you can make the needed strategies to come down pit road because especially for endurance races like the 24 hours of daytona the 24 of nurburgring spa lamar sebring for those types of events where anything can happen, this just brings a whole new dynamic. And it's going to change how teams approach things, indeed. Especially with the potential of how many combinations you can have as a result of rain. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot, and I mean a lot of drivers, especially the big names, going to have a whirlwind trying to figure out, okay, how do you race? In the ring. 
It certainly is. Some other special announcements that were made, of course, during that four hours of Charlotte race, over $49,000 was raised during that event. So a big thank you to all of those who did donate for the Multiple Sclerosis Society. But Justin, there was so much more we can talk about, but we are out of time. So for Graham Bolin and Jimmy Mullis, and of course, our wonderful producer, Wayne Owens, and my co-host, Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.